Welcome to the Bard and Bible, a conversational devotional about scripture, life, and ministry from the perspective of a tabletop missionary still trying to figure out what those words actually mean when you string them together. There's a seat by the fire over there, and it looks like things are just about to get started. Tonight's tale, The Dunning-Kruger Imposter. Hail and well-met folks, I am Mike Perna, your resident dwarf bard, and I welcome you to the Bard and Bible. Tonight's gonna be... it's gonna be an interesting one, because it's a tale of two extremes. Self-perception is always something that's been interesting to me. It literally affects the way we view everything. The outside world, everyone in it. But, for lack of a better term to describe it, it also is something that... Because you're viewing yourself through it, you can't get away from it. You can't get outside your own head to see if your perception of yourself is correct, because you're always viewing yourself through it. Can I I just say that, that I loved philosophy class in college, and I still revel in the insanity of not being able to wrap my head completely around the fact that I can't get around my own understanding of the world. That said, if the way you view things is marred, how do you even know that it's marred? How do you even comprehend that the foundation upon which you view yourself and therefore everything else around you is wrong? So tonight I want to look at two really crazy extremes. One that says, I am the greatest thing ever, there is nothing greater than me, and I am an unstoppable force. And the other that says, I'm worthless, and it's only a matter of time before everyone else realizes it. See, in both these cases, you're 100% wrong. But there's some place in the middle There's some place in the middle of these two extremes where we're exactly where we need to be, exactly where we're called to be, and it's really how we should see ourselves. This is a tale of two distinct problems. The first one is something that I've seen in a bunch of stuff lately. Uh, It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. I I know I heard about it first on a podcast, I believe it was Radiolab, but I'm sure you've heard about it at some point or another. It's the kind of thing that really makes the rounds. And in these days, it's really making the rounds. I know that Wikipedia is hardly a renowned source of information, but for the sake of argument, I'm using their kind of definition of the Dunning-Kruger effect to kind of put words on what this is. The effect is a cognitive bias wherein persons of low ability suffer from illusory superiority, mistakenly assessing their ability as greater than it actually is. The cognitive bias of illusory superiority derives from a metacognitive inability of low-ability people to recognize their ineptitude, without which they cannot accurately evaluate their actual competence. The short version is, is, well, Dumb people don't know that they're dumb. And I know that sounds 
like like obvious and it sounds almost crude but it's true and it's something that is is on almost a biological chemical level i i loved hearing about the dunning kruger effect because the very first kind of impetus to kind of study this stuff was a gentleman who went around robbing banks covering his face in lemon juice and when he was finally caught they asked him why did you you know how did you think you could get away with this? Because he didn't wear a costume. He didn't wear a mask or anything. He just walked in and, and robbed banks. And he said that he covered his face in lemon juice because lemon juice is invisible ink. Like, it, if you ever were a kid and you're messing around and you can write messages in lemon juice, and, like, if you hold it over a candle, then you can actually see it. Like, he figured that since he could write hidden messages with lemon juice, it meant his face would become invisible to security cameras. And he was shocked that this wasn't accurate. Like, that's where this thing starts, but it's not where it finishes, because one of the, the kind of the main uh, story that, the, the study that came off of this was actually done at Cornell University. So they took a bunch of students at Cornell. These are undergrads, so, you know, you get a bunch of people who really think they're awesome. Uh, after the test, they took all the scores, they did all the scores, and they actually showed each student how they did. But that wasn't ever the question. It wasn't how well did you do, it's what is your rank in the class. So even if people did poorly, they can still say what is their rank in the class. Like, if you did poorly, you know, maybe everybody did poorly, so clearly I did better than everybody else. So what they found was, was that the people who were actually competent, people who scored well and who generally did a good job, pretty much underestimated themselves, but they slightly underestimated them, themselves. They generally knew where they stood. However, people who were outright incompetent, they barely passed this thing. They scraped by by the skin of their teeth or failed outright. They thought they were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And even if they did poorly, they were of the opinion that clearly the test was to blame and that everyone else would have done even worse. This idea fascinates me because our first reaction is to say, oh man, I know that guy. I've seen that guy. I've been in that situation, and man, is it annoying to deal with somebody who's doing something so incredibly stupid, and they have no concept of that. They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. There's a problem, though. The problem exists when we don't think we're capable of being that guy. Our problem is that we think that we are different from that guy. And we're not. That, that's the, the cut-and-dry point of it. Now, granted... I, I'd like to think that we don't always act that way. I'd like to think that at least for me, I'm not always that way. It's not that we're constantly that guy. It's that we need to realize that we can be that guy, that it is within us to have this inflated concept of self. When it comes to faith, I, I need to set this up because I, I went to seminary with some amazing individuals, and I got to, to sit under these powerful teachers of God. These, these men and women, some of them have been teaching 
on a graduate level longer than my father has been alive. A number of them have passed away since I left that school, but I will still remember those times and remember those conversations. And there are two in particular that kind of stand out to me. Uh, Both of them said similar things in response to this question. Uh, Howard Hendricks and Dwight Pentecost, both powerful men of God who have written some amazing books that have opened my eyes to a lot of, of how we do ministry and how I approach the Bible. And both men, when asked, you know, you've been studying this for so long, like, like, what is one thing that you've learned? What is one thing that you've seen, you've grown in? And both men said, the longer I study the Bible, the longer I sit in the presence of God, the more I realized how much more there is to learn. See, both those guys understood that the more they learned, it didn't give them the ability to to write it off and say, this is it, this is all there is, I've, I've nailed it, I've got it. They didn't approach it as this is a thing to be encapsulated and grasped. The more they knew of God, the more they realized that God was infinitely larger than their capacity to know him. And it's an, it's an important distinction, and it's a hard one, because it requires you to realize that th- there is beyond you. When you spend your entire life studying and, and focusing on one thing to realize that it's still beyond you, that the more you learn, you only add more questions instead of answers. There's a humility to these gentlemen. There's a humility that I think counteracts the Dunning-Kruger effect when it comes to our faith. So many times we think we have nailed it. We are perfect in our views. We have have studied and have, have grasped the understanding of the universe. And we look at other people and say, I can't believe those people are so dumb. They have no concept that the thing they're believing in is nonsense. And what I've realized is, is that what the lesson that these men taught me and the lesson that so many other, like, I, I'm just using these two guys as an example, but there is a, a thread through many, if not all of the professors at my seminary that would say the same thing. The more I learn about God, the more there is to learn. So it's important to do things like embrace mystery understand your own shortcomings, understand that while God is perfect and without flaw, you are neither of those. And so it's important to understand that there is always more to learn. There is a flip side to this argument, this, this, this extreme paradigm, and that is another kind of codified mental thing called the imposter syndrome. This too is completely wrong, but it's something that I think also affects the way we view ourself and therefore the way we view our faith. If Dunning-Kruger syndrome means I know everything and everyone else must be stupider than I am, imposter syndrome says that no matter how much you work, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you do, you still see yourself as worthless and Everyone else is better than you. To use, again, going back to Wikipedia, sorry for those of you who are freaking out because my sources, this is what I do. 
uh, imposter syndrome is a concept describing high achieving individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. Now, I'm I'm not one, and and it's funny because I'm uh, this whole thing is is wrapped in this understanding of your self perception can be flawed and you don't understand it. I in prepping for this episode of the podcast, I I've kind of evaluated myself, and occasionally I can can get stuck in a Dunning Kruger mentality, but it's not my thing. It's it's not something that I struggle with because I am always aware that. There is there's more that I need. That there is more than who I am. That that situations and circumstances are bigger than my ability to be the best at knowing about them. Imposter syndrome, however, imposter syndrome is something that is constantly on my doorstep. In fact, I was just having a conversation with a buddy of mine because he does amazing uh, vinyl artwork. He, he'll do like stickers and stuff that you can can put up, and and his stuff is amazing and it's on point and it's all done by him. It's beautiful. In fact, I, I, I was this whole thing got started when I started talking to him about work that I would have him do uh, for an inroads project, and we were talking about this that the other thing and dimensions and all that, and I said, well. When this thing comes in that I want you to make the vinyl for, I will rely on your expertise. And he paused for a minute and he says, it's still weird that somebody considers me an expert. He's been doing this for like a year and a half, two years, and he's still confused that people think he's an expert. You've probably heard it. If you listen to Game Store Profits, you've probably heard me say the same thing. When I talk about the fact that people in other countries listen to Game Store Profits, when I hear and get emails and stories of people from all over the country and all over the world talking about how our ministry has affected them, I will still say that boggles my mind because it constantly does. In the back of my head, I'm still constantly asking myself, Mike, when are these people going to realize you don't know what you're talking about? When are these people going to understand that you have no business being here? That is a thought that exists in my head, and I'm pretty confident it's a thought that exists in yours, too. The reason I think that is because I've heard those stories, and I've seen that in some of the most amazing people that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Recently, like literally within days of me recording this, Uh, Neil Gaiman, who is bar none my favorite author of all time, Uh, he is literally responsible for my favorite comic books, for my favorite novels, my favorite essays. He just released Norse Mythology, which is a retelling of of my favorite mythology. Gaiman is literally responsible for so much of of what I think is good and awesome in, in regards to art and storytelling. But Neil Gaiman still tells the story of when he met Neil Armstrong, when he met Neil Armstrong in a blog post after he met the man, he said that talking to Neil Armstrong, Armstrong said that he still felt out of place among great artists and scientists. Like he didn't belong there. And and Gaiman recounted, if Neil Armstrong felt like an imposter, maybe everyone did. Maybe there weren't any grown-ups, only people who had worked hard 
and had also gotten lucky and were slightly out of their depth, all of us doing the best job we could, which is all we can really hope for. And I think so much of that is true when it comes to fighting this in faith as well. Because in the same regard as you don't want to think that you are the end-all and be-all, because God is the only end-all and be-all, and he is the only perfect one. At the same point, it is dangerous and damaging to think that the time we spend in prayer and study is not worthwhile, that there is nothing for us to say, that if we don't have the right seminary degree or we don't have the right experiences, that we have no business speaking for God, that we have no business speaking to God. All of that is imposter syndrome because we have this understanding that clearly I am dirt and clearly the work that I do is, is nothing in the grand scheme of things. And that's not something that God would hold. That's not something that, that would ring true for somebody who is considered a son or a daughter of the king. So we have these two extremes. And because this is Barden Bible, and because I feel that it's important to make sure that I put Bible in Barden Bible, uh, there are two verses, there are so many that I could cite to contradict these two mental problems when it comes to uh, cognitive process of self-image. But these two, I think, are the biggest ones to me, and they at least resonate with me, and I hope they resonate with you guys, too. To fight Dunning-Kruger, I, I picked, there's, there could be plenty of them. I could talk about the gnosis of, of Christ, the, the emptying of his own self, his own power and authority to be one of us. I could have gone there, but I, I, one, that passage gets used all the time, rightfully so, but I wanted to change it up for you guys. The other thing is that, that to really understand Dunning-Kruger, you need somebody who had the potential to be like, I am awesome. To, to come from that place of, I am, I am good, I'm solid, and clearly I'm the best. And who else to look to than a Pharisee among Pharisees? As, as one who knows the law, there is no equal. That of Paul. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but the power of God. I think it's important when you're combating this idea of Dunning-Kruger to back off from yourself and realize that God is bigger than anything you can ever do. That so much of what the, especially the age we're living in now, uh, the Bible talks of it as a, as a mystery that even those who are writing the scriptures did not understand what this was supposed to look like. And, you know, there, there are some people who will find discomfort in that, like, like they need to nail things down and fully understand things. But at least for me, 
I am I am much more comfortable with the fact that God is bigger. I'm much more comfortable in the fact that my being on point and perfect does not somehow diminish God. And because I can step back from that, because I can move away from feeling like I know a lot, but to be in that place of, I I know Christ and him crucified and nothing else really matters. This is a man who knows the law. This is a man who knows everything there is to know about that stuff. And he still says, I came to you knowing nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He knew it, but he didn't act like he knew it. He knew that the important thing was God. And that's what he gave the people. And I think that that's important to avoid thinking too much of ourselves and too little of God. On the other side, on the flip side, this idea of imposter syndrome, I think it is super important to look at 2 Timothy, looking from the very beginning in chapter 1, uh, verses 6, I'll start at. So for this reason, I remind you to fan the f- into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The thing I love about this is that none of it is tied to Timothy's ability to do good. It is entirely about God. You are not an imposter because you are one who has been given the Spirit of God. And that is freaking awesome. That is amazing. It's the same Spirit that lives in me as lives in, you know, pick any big-time preacher you're ever going to meet the same spirit that lives in the, the, the street kid in Africa. It's the same God who lives in anybody who claims Christ. And I'm going to tell you that there is something truly beautiful about realizing that your authority comes not from who you are, but who God is. It allows you to to enjoy the things that you have done. I mean, look at the entirety of the book of Ecclesiastes. It's the idea of, of appreciating your labor, but appreciating them for what it is. And, and I think that that that's a, a big thing when it comes to imposter is to, to not deny the work that you've done, but to understand that you, you are just one person. Like, again, I, I constantly think about the, you know, every time somebody comes up to me and says, you're such an expert on, on board games. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. But at the same point, I, I am able now to, to step back and say, but I've been writing blogs for four years. I've been doing this podcast for five, almost six. I, I've been building this ministry and, and learning constantly about how to run a nonprofit and how to do it well. And I've still got a lot to learn, but I've put in a bunch of work too. I'm appreciative of what I've done, even though there's a long, a long road left to go. Cause again, these extremes don't work. You are not the greatest thing since sliced bread because there is always more to learn. And you are not an imposter 
because you're a child of the king. And because I've ended episode after episode after episode saying it, I'm going to remind you again. You're a dwarf bard. You have a story worth telling. And don't let anyone ever call you suboptimal. Thank you.